the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold And I know how I ought to be question is asked in that song what can be done for my hard heart well there's only one answer and that answer is for a hard heart to repent of its sin it's sin that makes our heart hard it's sin that makes our heart dry oil and wine are not going to work can have to be repentance, raw repentance, turning from our sin. There's simply no excuse for sin, and and God responds to sin in a very specific way, and he told us how he would respond. There's a passage in the book of Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, the Lord is talking with his servant Moses. And he's saying, you're going to rest with your fathers. And these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they're entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. And on that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. 
I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many diseases and difficulties will come upon them, and on that day they will ask, Have not these diseases come upon us, because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day, because of their wickedness in turning to other gods. That's God's attitude towards sin. Not just in conversation with Moses, but through all of the rest of Scripture. This is what God does in response to sin. He's not some benevolent, benign Santa Claus sitting on the throne of God, waiting for you to turn to him so he can be accepted by you. Are you kidding me? The question is not, are you, ex are you willing to accept Jesus? The question is, is he willing to accept you? And in your sin, he is not willing to accept you. That's right. So where do you go with that, Alexandra? And by the way, you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. My wife, Alexandra, is with me. And we had an awesome RevivalNow.com meeting last night. Revival.church. We had a wonderful meeting. God moved with power. We'll tell you more about it. But, Alexandra, I'd like you to share your experience with Ashley this morning. Thank you. So Ashley is a lifeguard at the pool where I go swimming on some mornings. And so I was I was doing some laps at the pool this morning and I stopped and I asked Ashley we'd been talking a little bit earlier and I just asked her if she saw anything I was doing wrong with my swimming that I should correct and she said I you know I think you look fine. And then she started telling me that she had hurt her leg and she'd had three surgeries that each each surgery kind of made the problem worse. And so I asked her if she'd tried praying for her leg. And she said, well, I pray for my grandma because she has cancer, but I've never prayed for myself. I've never, I've never prayed for my leg. And the problem with the leg is that it's giving her difficulty in actually giving lessons, in giving swimming lessons, which is part of her job. So I prayed for her. And then after I prayed, she said, you know, I need to work on my faith more. And then she started to say, you know, I think people should repent only once. You know, you shouldn't repent every Sunday and then go live Monday through Saturday in your sins. I think people should repent one time and then should live the rest of their life without sinning. And I said, yeah, that's right. And then she goes, but I don't want to repent until I'm 30. She's 20 right now. She goes, I don't want to repent until I'm 30 because, you know, honestly, I really like drinking and I really like getting tattoos and piercings. I just, I just want to tattoo and pierce my whole body. And, you know, when I'm 30 and I've had time to find myself and have fun, then I'll give myself to God. Then I'll repent. Because I think that right now God wants me to just find out who I am. And, I mean, I was just really shocked by this. I'm still in the pool at this point. 
I'm like standing in the pool in the water while she's telling me all this from the lifeguard chair. And so I said, well, that's an insult to God to think that you can just live the best years of your life in sin. And then when it's convenient for you, you can decide to serve him. I was like, don't you want to use the best years of your life for God? Um, And she said, no, I don't want to give God everything because I think if I did, then I would still be tempted to go back to all those things. And I said, well, temptation isn't sin. It's only sin if you do it. And she said, yeah, that's true, but I would do it. And I said, well, when you really repent, you're setting your love on God. And so you don't love those things anymore. You don't want to go back to it. And so she just, it was like at every turn, there was an excuse. Um, And, you know, she was willing to admit, you know, I haven't given my life to God. But then she would, you know, in the next breath say, but I think, you know, I'm mostly a good person and I know I shouldn't go to heaven, but I don't think I'm really bad enough to go to hell. So I think that God will just, you know, let me build a house outside, outside of the gate of heaven. And I was like, you didn't get that idea from the Bible. And she said, yeah, that's true. And then, you know, then the conversation goes to how she knows so many Christians who are hypocrites who say, oh, well, you shouldn't have premarital sex, but then, you know, they get married and they cheat on their wives, something like that. So I said, well, why don't you be the good example? Because right now, you know, you're saying what you should do, but you're not doing it either. And she's like, no, I can't be that good example because I'm too much of a real person. And then she said, if we really are going to go to hell for all these things that people are saying, then that means half this generation is going to go to hell. And I said, yeah. And honestly, I think it's probably more than half at this point. Um, but what so struck me, I mean, I talked to her for for at least 20 minutes, and what so struck me was just the stubbornness And I told her, I said, I'm just imagining you standing before God and saying all this. And him just saying, you never repented. And she knows it. And so I wonder how many of you, you might not, you know, be saying it this explicitly, but you might be living in such a way where, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I know that this part of my life isn't right with God. I know I really need to quit the pornography. I know I really need to quit the drinking. I know I really need to quit the cigarettes, but, you know, God understands. I just need some time. I'll do it later. And that's just, it's utterly tempting God because it's basically impossible for you to ever repent as long as you have that attitude. That attitude is in and of itself like the epitome of rebellion. And we also don't have any guarantee that we'll even have another day on this earth to repent. Nor does God owe us repentance. The angels who sinned didn't have a chance to repent. So, you know, it's like we're in a grace period right now. Like when you go to a hotel and they say, checkout's at 11, but we won't find you until 12. We're pretty much all in that one hour long grace period. And if you've heard the gospel, if you're going to church, if you've read the Bible, you have an incredible amount of light on what the truth is. You know what the requirements of God are. And if you're not doing the requirements of God, 
you are completely without excuse. Did you want to comment on this before I turn to Jeremiah? Yes. We saw another man yesterday, and he had a big chaw of tobacco in his, in his jaw. And he immediately felt guilty. And he said, but I'm outside of the church. Like, it makes a difference whether he's in the church building with his chaw of tobacco or he's standing outside of the church building where he can spit. These filthy things destroy the body and destroy the life of the person. And this man was saying, you know, I'm basically a good person. And I have to have this tobacco chaw for for medical purposes. It makes me feel better. My body doesn't hurt as much. I'm saying, wait, is this fantasy land we're living in? God doesn't look at sin like we do. So, Alexandra, take us into Jeremiah and share what he has to say about this issue of sin right now. Yes, so I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah, just I'm reading through the whole Bible, and I noticed when I got to Jeremiah that this book speaks so explicitly about how God feels about sin. I think more than any other book leading up to this. And you'll also see as I go through these passages that it's very clear that sin is a deliberate choice to rebel against what you know about God. So we'll start with Jeremiah 2.19. This is God speaking. He says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. So there's two things here that he says are evil and bitter. One is forsaking God, and the second is not having his fear in you. And that was what I really noticed as I spoke to this lifeguard this morning, is there was just no fear of God. You know, she was just filled with all these self-justifications and excuses. And many Christians I speak to, or even people who aren't making a profession of faith, but the point is if you sin, you're a sinner. It doesn't matter if you're making a profession of faith or not. And many people I speak to do not have a fear of God. You think that you can just do whatever you want, and when it's convenient for you, you'll turn your life around. But God doesn't feel that way. So we turn to Jeremiah three twenty to 21 Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. So here we see that sin against God is compared to adultery, to a husband or a wife cheating on their spouse. And God says, surely. So he's not saying this in 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 a non-firm way. He's saying it in a very firm way, that surely... As a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me. So our sin is treason against God, and it's equivalent to adultery. 
And as you know from the Old Testament, adultery was punishable by death. The, both the man and the woman would be stoned to death if they were caught in adultery. Jeremiah 6.19 Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people. Why will God bring evil upon this people? He says, The fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. So these are people who heard the word of God, they heard the law of God, but they refused to do it. So hearing the word is not the same as doing it. And God will bring evil upon you if you refuse to do his word. Jeremiah seven twenty three to 24 But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. So God's people, the condition for being part of the people of God is to obey God's voice. He says, Walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. So these people, they heard the word of God, but they refused to hear it. They turned their ears away. And then it says they walked in the imagination of their evil heart. And this is what I hear people saying all the time. They say, I want to live my own life. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what God tells me to do. That's walking in the imagination of your evil heart. And then we turn to Jeremiah 8, 5. Why then is the people of Jerusalem slidden by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. So the deception that you're under is intentional. You can't say, well, I was deceived. I didn't know better. The fact that you're even hearing this broadcast right now, this is an effort from God to break through that deceit. And you have a choice as you hear this. You can say, no, I'm going to hold fast to that deceit. I'm not going to listen to what Pastor Ray and Alexander are saying. I'm going to believe that I'm saved. That's what this passage is saying. They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. We get to Jeremiah 9.5. Jeremiah 9.5 says, They will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. So look at these verbs in this passage. Deceive. Taught their tongue to speak lies. They will not. It's an act of your will that you choose you will not to speak the truth. You weary yourself to commit sin. So sin is something you commit. It's always intentional. And this even goes so far to say as you're exhausting yourself in your pursuit of sinning. Jeremiah nine twelve through 14. Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken, that he may declare it? For what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passes through. So God's saying, why is the land burned up? Why has the whole land turned into a desert that no one can walk through? And the Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein. So again, if we look at the verbs, we have forsaken. 
have not obeyed. So you hear the word of God and you forsake it. You don't do it. You're still making a profession of faith. You're still part of the church, just like these people in Israel were still part of Israel. They were still part of the visible people of God. They still went to the temple. They still said the Lord is our God. Just like many today say, yes, we're Christians. Yes, we believe the Bible. But the way you live shows that you don't actually believe the Bible. Because if you believed the Bible, you would be afraid to sin. You would have a solemn fear of sinning because you would see the judgment of God against all who commit sin. We turn to Jeremiah 11, 7 through 8. This says, for, this is God speaking. He says, I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, obey my voice. God is protesting against your sin. He's saying over and over, he's getting up early. He's sending preachers. He's sending the Bible. He's sending radio broadcasts. He's sending internet videos. He's sending books protesting to you to say, obey my voice. Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked everyone in the imagination of their evil heart. So what is God's response to this? He says, therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. In other words, God is going to execute all of the judgment against them that he said he would execute. Would you like to jump in before I continue? No, keep going. You're right. doing great. So we go to Jeremiah 13.10. This says, this is God speaking again. This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. So again, it's... He calls these people evil. What makes them evil? What makes them evil is that they refuse to hear God's words and instead they walk in the imagination of their own heart. In other words, you hear this broadcast, you hear that God's judgment is against you, you hear that you need to repent and submit your life to God and live the rest of your life in service to him, but you say, no, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to live my own life and I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, God says that you'll be as this girdle that he had Jeremiah hide in the rock by the river and the whole thing was destroyed it was filthy it rotted apart that's what god is saying will happen to you jeremiah 15 verse 6 thou hast forsaken me saith the lord thou art gone backward therefore will i stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee i am weary with repenting let me read that again Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. Is God weary with repenting with you? Have you so sinned over and over against God that he's now at the point of saying, I am just exhausted with this person. I, I don't have the energy to listen to their confessions over and over while they go and then commit the same sin. I'm tired of holding back my wrath against them. I'm just going to destroy them. 
it will come to that point because we're all going to die. So if in your life you never get clean with Jesus, if in your life you never do that real deep once and for all repentance where you say, I am done with sin, I'm committing my whole life and self and being to Jesus, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my life, I love him, I love the people of God, I love righteousness. If you never do that, then God will destroy you because he's weary of all of your false repentance and he's weary of withholding his wrath. The last passage I want to look at is Jeremiah 19.15. This states, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon this city and upon all her towns all the evil that I have pronounced against it, because they have hardened their necks, that they might not hear my words. So again, this is a deliberate choice to harden the neck. And finally, you've done this for so long that God reaches his limit of patience. The grace period ends and you pass into judgment. And I just wanted to say this briefly, that hell is not eternal separation from God. I hear street preachers say this sometimes because they're afraid of hurting the people they're speaking to. God is very present in hell, and he's present in anger and wrath and justice and fury. It's not just eternal separation from God in some peaceful void. It's weeping, gnashing of teeth, the flame never dying, the worm never dying. It's terrible. I mean, I am afraid. Hell is like the last place I would ever want to go. And I'm very concerned by how many people are walking around apparently, like, utterly unconcerned. As Jonathan Edwards says, it's like they're walking on a rotten covering, and you don't know which step you'll take will just plunge you right through that wood and into hell. So I just want to encourage you that if you say you're a Christian today, that it's time to actually read the Bible for what it literally says about sin and about hell, and about God's judgment, and about his requirement that we obey him in all things. The book of James says that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. And he gives the example, well, I say I haven't committed murder, but I've committed adultery. So that means that I've broken the law. So it's by faith in Christ that we keep the whole law of God. There's no in-between, there's no mixture. If you sin, you're a sinner. If you're truly saved by faith in Jesus and you're a new person in Jesus, you no longer sin and you are obeying God in every area of your life. Think of the one person that you were speaking to just recently. This person is married, living with a person they are not married to. They've had a child together and this person says you know I'm basically a good person she said she thought she was 90% a good person but she's a sinner in a desperate situation where the judgment of God is upon her you know the passages you've just shared Alexandra these are not just cherry picked out 
this is the whole of Jeremiah. It's the whole of Isaiah. And we go to the New Testament, and the same things are said. Yes, I've actually been keeping a list of these types of passages. So just now on the air, I read about half of what was on my list. So there's much more that you can find in the book of Jeremiah. Now, I want to read for you Isaiah, the 63rd chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 15. Look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. But you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us. In other words, we've sinned so much, Abraham doesn't want to have anything to do with us. And Jacob doesn't want to even acknowledge that we're his children. But he says, O Lord, you're our father, our redeemer from of old in your name. Why, O Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we do not revere you? So what's happening here? A person is becoming insensitive to the righteousness of God. And they begin to go their own way and God begins to withdraw from them. Always God withdraws from a person walking in sin. Yes, and that's the great danger is that if you hear this message and you feel even the slightest twinge in your conscience, but you don't act on it, you're just increasing your danger. And it's real danger. It's very real. This is not made up. Judgment from God is real. But now, the problem we face, quite frankly, is that we have made up a gospel that is no gospel. It's a false gospel. We've made up a gospel in America that says, Jesus at the cross forgave all of your past, present and future sins and that's just not true it's not true but the teaching is you don't need to be afraid of god he's your best buddy he's your friend he forgave everything you're clear you can walk in your sin and all you'll lose are some rewards that is such a wicked lie any of you question me on this please read carefully the entire short book of jude read carefully First John chapter 3. I could give you scripture after scripture that will say this teaching is an utter distortion of the truth. And what's key with this too is that we're going to be judged by what we've done. So it's not like we can live our whole life in sin and then God's going to somehow judge us based on what Jesus did for us at the cross. It doesn't work that way. So what Jesus did for us on the cross has to actually change us right now so that we leave our life of sin, we're born again, we're transformed into new people in Jesus. Everyone around you should notice that there's a difference because you're not speaking the same way you're not dressing the same way you're not going to the same places you're not partying at night you're not cursing anymore they should see a tangible change in your life that continues for the rest of your life so the power of the cross is now 
And unless you submit to Jesus and let him do that work in you now, it will never be done. And that's why when God judges us, if we have been transformed into a new person in Christ, we have the forgiveness of our past sins, and then we have the life that we have lived in obedience to God. You'll remember in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is dividing the sheep and the goats, he goes through and he says, he says to the righteous, you know, whenever you gave one of my brothers and sisters something to drink, something to eat, when you clothed them when they were naked, when you sheltered them when they didn't have anywhere to stay, you did that to me. And those, so those are righteous things that Christians actually did. So that when God judges them, he sees that they've actually done righteousness. Versus the people who, he says, you saw me sick and you didn't visit me. You saw me in prison and you didn't visit me. I was hungry and thirsty and you didn't give me anything. And they said, well, when, did we, when didn't we do that? And he said, as much as you didn't do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it to me. So it's a very specific concrete you're going to be judged by your actions by what you have done so you have to let jesus change you now so that you will actually be righteous on the day of judgment another passage we need to look at alexandra is in romans the first chapter and i'm going to begin reading at verse 18 the wrath of god is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So Paul is saying, look, if you choose to believe a false gospel and you believe that all of your past, present, and future sins have been forgiven and that you're good to go, that God loves you unconditionally, you are literally suppressing the truth of God by your wickedness. You are suppressing the truth of God by the way you're living, by the lust of your heart, by the, by the focus on worldly things. You are suppressing the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. You are literally trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ by your continued sin, believing that you can't ever leave your sin. That's a wicked excuse. And as we've seen from all these passages we've read today, sin is always an active choice. You look at the verbs, suppress the truth, forsake God reject God, refuse to hear. These are all very specific, active choices that you make. And what God does then, in verse 24, is God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things. In other words, your attention will more and more focus on your wonderful trips, your cruises, your football team, your baseball team, 
your video games, your attention will be more and more caught up with your ambitions to make money. Your focus will be on this world and pleasure in this world. And by that, and because of that, God will withdraw from you and he will leave you to your religion. So you go to church, you pay a little bit of money in the offering plate, you might even be the preacher, but God has withdrawn from you. And I wonder today, are any of you aware of the absence of God in your life? And are you operating by your flesh, by your own will and your own judgments and you're angry and you're bitter and you're ambitious and you're stomping on people's heads to get ahead. You're justifying the wickedness of your entertainment, of your goals, and you say, oh, I'm saved. All I'm losing are a few rewards in heaven. No, your conscience does not lie. Your conscience tells you that's wrong. And I wonder, is your conscience speaking to you today about anything and saying, stop, don't go there, don't do that, leave it alone? And you're jamming your conscience down, you're pushing the Holy Spirit away, and you're saying, oh, I'll deal with that later, but right now, this is what I have to do to survive. This is what I have to do to be happy. I deserve this. Look how I've been treated. And this is what's so key about true repentance. When you, re when you really repent, you're saying, I am going to obey my conscience 100% of the time, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what people say, no matter what I lose, no matter what opportunities I lose, no matter how much suffering it brings, I'm going to obey my conscience and I'm going to obey the written word of God. And we do that by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. No man can walk righteous without the blood of Jesus Christ, without the power of grace. And grace is defined in Scripture as that divine influence to cause us to walk in righteousness. Grace is never in Scripture a cover for sin. And God promises us that grace. So there's never an excuse to sin. God has given you everything that you need to live the rest of your life perfect and blameless before him. So I have a question. Do all of your non-Christian friends love you? Do you get along with them? Are you happy in their company? Or is your life a confrontation to them? And do you call them out of darkness? Or are you learning how to hang with God and hang with the world and think you're safe? You're not safe. You're hellbound. Let's be honest. If you're comfortable in the world and you're comfortable in your church, there's a problem. I'm not comfortable in this world. I don't belong here. This is not my home. I'm an alien and a stranger here. I'm on my way to heaven. And we come doing this radio broadcast because we want you to come to heaven with us. 
were jealous for you for Jesus. And I'm shocked, frankly, because last night we had a wonderful, wonderful meeting, a revival now in the church at the All Saints Anglican Church, but not one of you from radio came to participate. And it's made me wonder, should we continue this broadcast? Are you listening? Do you hear us? Does this broadcast matter to you? I'm very troubled. I was informed yesterday that the rate that we pay for this broadcast is being increased in January. And my immediate response was, I think we need to go off air. And my sweet wife, Alexandra, said, no, no, no. Don't make a decision at night. We've got to pray about this. And she was right. But I wonder, is this message getting through to you? Is it making a difference in your heart? Are you turning toward God? Are you repenting of your sin? Are you willing to do whatever you need to do to get right with Jesus? I'm very concerned for you. We've been crying out in the prayer closet for you. Some of you are deep in pornography. You are filled with lust. Some of you are filled with bitterness and anger toward other family members or toward others at work. Some of you love the ways of darkness. As one young man said to me, Pastor, it's so hard for me not to go to the clubs because I love the excitement and the, the dancing and the grinding, the groping on the dance floor. I love that atmosphere, but I don't want it anymore because I know it's going to take me to hell and I want to go to heaven. I'm glad he was that honest with me. Yes, but the problem with that is still that a true repentance, you would no longer love those things. No, you would hate those things. Yes. So the fact that he's still lusting after those things tells me he's in grave danger. It hasn't been broken. Mm -hmm. Listen, a partial confession or a full confession is not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind about your actions and your behavior and coming in line with the word of God. That's real repentance, where you lay your life down for Jesus and you say, I'm done with sin. I'm finished with this. You know, Alexandra, I recognize today we're not talking soft, modern, psychologized, therapeutic, relational theology. This is pretty raw and hardcore. It's the truth. And you know what? I don't have time in my life to not speak the truth, unvarnished, clear. So we're calling you to repent today. And we can give you our phone number if you'd like to call in these last few minutes. It's 877 534 That's 877 534 and don't call us and say, 
Oh, we're covered by the blood of Jesus so we can continue in our sin and it's impossible for us to leave our sin. You will simply be exposing your utter ignorance of the scriptures. The Bible never says that it's impossible for us to leave our sin. The command is always leave your sin now. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn thee. Now go and sin no more. So we're not talking about legalism because it's all by the power of the blood of Jesus that we're washed and made clean. But we are talking about sin and repentance. And until you repent, you're hell-bound. You're not on your way to heaven. And the real easy way to test this is you look at specific actions in your life and you say, could I do this if I were in heaven? Or would this destroy heaven? If it would destroy heaven, then you need to deal with it. And one precious woman said to me, I know I have habits in my life. I have ways in my life that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about. Now I'm going to have to go and repent. And those things have to be cleansed. And I said, yes, can I pray with you? That's a person I want to pray with. If you know you're walking in sin and you're sick and tired of it and you want something real in Jesus, you don't want to do just cheap theology. You want Jesus. Then call us right now, 877-534-0780. We'll know revival is here when the phone lines jam with people who want to get right with Jesus. Right now, the hardness of heart astounds me, Alexandra. It it grieves my heart. It makes me say, should we even be on the air anymore? Is it even worthwhile? And if you feel that way, imagine how God feels about it. You know, I'm so troubled. I, I literally, I woke up this morning at 4 a.m. And all I could do was pray. I couldn't sleep. I had to get up and get out of the bed. I... I was so heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I see what God is dealing with with our hard hearts. I'm saying, Lord, when will this change? I don't want to do church anymore. I want to do repentance with people who will then come together in righteousness in compassion, in love, and mercy, and reach out to the lost and the dying. To me, church is not a social center. It's not a, a casual place where I go to hear some jokes from the pastor and hear the band. It's not an entertainment center. It's not an old folks' home. It's a hospital where I go to get well and leave my sin and be converted. So I'm wondering, I'm going to say this plain. What you've just heard today is a call to revival. We're not talking about revival. We are calling you now to leave your sin and get right with Jesus. Are you still listening? Will you repent? Will you put all of your sin away and get right with Jesus? It's one 49, there are a few minutes left in this broadcast. 
Is there a sinner we could pray with today? Just one sinner who will say, You're right, I've got to leave my sin. Will you pray with me? We would love to pray with you. 877-534-0780 Brother Kevin, are there any sinners on the line who want to get right with Jesus? No calls. Should we continue this broadcast? Or should we seek a people who will repent? I'm struggling with this. And I'm praying, Lord, I don't know how we can pay more for this broadcast than we're currently paying. Already, it's agonizingly painful just to pay for the broadcast. So I'm asking, should we continue? Is it having any impact? Now, there are some of you listening today who are walking clean before God. I praise God for you, and I'm asking, would you please pray for this radio broadcast, Pilgrim's Progress, that I'll know what I need to do, whether I'm to stay on the air or leave the air. There's no point in staying on if sinners are not willing to repent and get right with Jesus. I don't do this broadcast to be somebody. I'm not anybody. I'm about Jesus. And Alexandra, you're about Jesus. Yes. And we don't want to waste our time with people who don't want to get right with Jesus. So I know there are a small group of you who truly love Jesus, who are sold out as we are. Good. What's their name? Cindy, welcome. Cindy, welcome. How can we pray for you? Hi, thank you. Um, you know, I, I just want to quickly say I, I listen to you guys a lot lately, and uh, I've been hearing some very important messages that I don't hear anywhere else, and I spend a lot of time listening um, to other stations. But I, I've tried repenting a million times. Or maybe I better get this off of here. Hold on a second. I'm having some feedback here. Okay, is that better? That's better. Okay. So I keep repenting, and I keep becoming at war with myself and becoming in hatred and just slipping back, and I don't seem to get anywhere. I've been doing this for years now. Alexandra, what would you say to her? Well, I would first ask, what specific sin are you dealing with? I have anger over myself, mostly. Every time I make a mistake, I can't stand myself. And I keep thinking about sins I did in my youth that just drive me crazy. And no matter how many times I ask for forgiveness and think I've been forgiven, it just keeps coming back. And I just look at myself as a failure, and I'm just looking at some of the things that are happening to my daughter, and I'm thinking, wow, what a utter failure (laughs) I have been. What do you mean when you say that you get angry at yourself when you make a mistake? I actually cry sometimes when I I do something I didn't want to do. I knew I sinned. I did something wrong. And I hate myself for it. Could you give me an example of a mistake that you're talking about? Um, Well, for example, let's just say I'm driving down the road and everything's fine for me. And somebody does something to me on the road and out of nowhere, I don't even know where it comes from. I will get angry and belligerent with them, and I will challenge them. 
I mean, literally challenge them to get out of their car. I want to fight with them. And I just get angry and I start yelling things I shouldn't yell for nothing, really. I mean, just for somebody doing something that irritated me on the road. Okay, I'm, I'm so really the reason I was asking right those I'm, questions I'm, I'm is sometimes, sometimes Christians... Oh, were you still speaking? I'm sorry, it's okay. Okay. Um, sometimes Christians think that they're sinning when they're not, but it sounds like wanting to get out of the car and fight someone is indicating some kind of really deep-rooted anger, um, possibly pride, thinking that you're better than somebody else. Um, so you really want to deal with whatever that deep root is, and... There is victory in Jesus. Let me come at this from a little bit of a different angle. The okay. first concern is not about you. It's about Jesus. Right. It's about offending a holy God. And you are offending a holy God with that rage and anger. And it tells me that you are still holding you in some way to yourself while trying to piecemeal repentance to God. That doesn't work. It's a whole repentance deal, not isolated to events, but a whole repentance deal of your heart where you come to God and just say, I'm a sinner and this has to stop. I'm done with this. Will you come by sovereign power and will you release me now from this? Okay, now there's there's another part, Cindy. Romans chapter 8 says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The devil's going to come after you've repented, and he's going to say, You're just the same as you always were, and you're a wicked woman. That's the devil's ploy. God never accuses us. Satan comes and accuses us to discourage us. Yes, and and I have said those words to myself over and over and over again. You're wicked, you're wicked, you're wicked, you're never going to change. And you know what? That's the devil's... We're we're out of time, but that's the devil's lie to you. You've got to take a stand. Will you... I would love to have you call back tomorrow early where we can really talk and pray together. But we're out of time. Okay, I will try to do that. Let me just pray quickly. Lord, reveal the truth to Cindy that you are a God who loves her, but who is righteous and holy, and you want her to walk clean before you. Lord, would you prepare her for tomorrow's conversation? Yes. We pray in your holy name. Amen. 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 All right, God thank you. you I will tr- certainly try. Thank you Call very me much. tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. We're out of time. Wow. Tomorrow, we're just going to open the phone lines for sinners. We love you guys. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.